0: Now this passage is often called a birth narrative, which you find here, of course, no reference to shepherds or angels or star. We can bet we have a really wise men aren't here yet, of course. And instead, we get a story about Joseph, which is Jesus' earthly father, you can also say adopted father, and the decisions that he faces. But it's a passage specifically about God awakening Joseph to new possibilities in his own life. Joseph having to open his eyes to understand and realize that God was at work in his life in a way that he hadn't before anticipated. Joseph learning that he can trust God and keep the faith, even in a situation in his life where things look very uh, difficult and not good, and yet he can can rely on the Lord, hear him speak, and also act on what God has told him. Uh, Two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago now, two weeks ago, Uh, We heard John the Baptist, right? And he called us to repentance, repent, turn from sin towards God. Uh, Last week, Jesus calls us to hear and to see what the kingdom of God looks like as he comes among us, what salvation looks like. But today, Joseph uh, calls us, I think, to not fear, awake, and to trust. Trust in the plan and the goodness of God even in the troubling circumstances of your life, or perhaps especially in the troubling circumstances of your life. Now, take a look with me at how Joseph is described here. We get to, where are we? Verse 19. Her husband Joseph, being a just man, a just man, or a righteous man, this describes his character. It, well, it describes two things. I think, first of all, it describes the fact that he's, he's lightly obedient. He's a, a faithful Hebrew person, Jewish person. He, you know, he knows his Torah and he does what he needs to do. Part of his life, his cultural expectations. He's a just person. He's a good person. He's a good man, you know you'd say. This sort of thing. Um, he's devout. He observes uh, the laws of his faith. That sort of thing. But I also think that this describes his character That he is, as we would say, a good and upstanding, uh, kind sort of person. This describes who Joseph is. And we know this because of how Joseph has responded to the most recent shock in his life. Right? You can imagine uh, Mary pulled him aside earlier that week, or perhaps that day, and said, Joseph, I'm pregnant. And of course, Joseph knows he's not the father. And so he assumes what you naturally would assume, which is that mary has been unfaithful. Uh, You get the news that uh, your fiancé is pregnant. You're not the dad. Now, marriage in first century Palestine is very, very deeply respected. In fact, when you get betrothed, they talk about their betrothed, right? When they get betrothed, it's almost as serious as entering into the marriage itself. So it's way more... Uh, binding that our engagement, that we do, Um, they would need to actually get something like a divorce to get out of their engagement. So it it has a very serious kind of binding. Um, It's almost like a legal contract of sorts. And it's a big deal. It's very, it's a big deal. They don't live together yet, but they're betrothed. They're set apart for each other. And so to violate that relationship by being presumably unfaithful, is a very, very, very serious thing. The adultery could just end the marriage. And Joseph legally has the right uh, to see her be stoned to death uh, or be publicly humiliated in some way. He has that right. He's allowed to do that. That's just kind of the way things were done. But we read that Joseph is a righteous man. He's a just man. He's a good man. So much so that he decides not to expose Mary to public disgrace, right? He doesn't put her to shame. He loves her. So instead, he deals with the the situation as compassionately as possible. So imagine for a second, Joseph, maybe uh, you put yourself in his shoes if you can. He's likely heartbroken that Mary's pregnant. You know, when she said, well, you know, pregnant by the Holy Spirit, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, like, okay. Right? But he's a good enough man to sign. He's not going to take his anger out on her. In fact, he's going to dismiss her quietly. This is an act of compassion, actually. This is this is huge. This is very just of him. When he when consider the alternative. Right? He's just going to dismiss her quietly. So, weighing those things, considering those things, he resolves, I love this word, he resolved to divorce her quietly, verse 19. So he's thinking about all of this. He's you know, it's likely emotional. He's upset about it. Uh, he's weighing these things. What do I do? How do I, you know, how do we properly move forward with this? Uh, and he resolves. Well, I'll, I'll see her off quietly so that she's not publicly humiliated, and uh, we'll go with that. He resolves that, and then he goes off to bed. And that night, the angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream. And what does the angel say? Look at verse 20. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So he, uh, the angel addresses the fears initially, right? Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. It's okay. But then gives him an insight into where this is all going, which is which is great. Nice to have that. She'll bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. And Joseph suddenly gets gets pulled into the story. He's got a part to play. Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Oh, well, that's, that's a big deal. Okay. And all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. We'll go back. This is Isaiah being quoted. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They'll call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Joseph wakes up and uh, he does as the angel tells him. Essentially, This is my paraphrase of what the angel said. Joseph, don't abandon Mary. Right? Stand by her. Carry on with the wedding. She's not pregnant by another man. Her pregnancy is spirit-conceived. It's God's Holy Spirit in a miraculous, miraculous and mysterious way that's causing her to be pregnant. And she's going to bear a son who's fully God and fully human. And when that son arrives, you, Joseph, you get to name him Jesus, God saves, because he's the one that's going to save humanity from their sins. And that will bring Isaiah's prophecy to full term. A virgin will get pregnant and bear a son, and they'll name him Emmanuel. The baby is not, Joseph, a result of Mary's adultery, but rather of Mary's faithfulness. And this baby is God himself, made flesh, God with us, and he'll reveal the heart and character of the Father, which is of course what we see Jesus doing. So much so that he'll, he'll die in order to save humanity from their own sins. You want to know what God's like? He's the one that will let you kill him. He loves him that much. So what a dream! What a dream! Now we've all had vivid dreams, I'm sure. I mean, some of us dream more than others, you know. I am know to dream of every night, dreaming, all kinds of dreams. You know, and others say I don't dream, meaning basically they just don't remember their dreams. But dreams that seem very, very real. I had a dream once. I had a dream once that uh, as I was a teenager, I was on a secret mission with Jesus, and we, this is ridiculous. And we were we were like in some kind of a, it was like post apocalyptic dystopian landscape, you know, or running around. And I remember specifically saying, "What do we do now, Jesus?" It was hilarious. And I woke up. I, I don't I don't think I was weighing any major decisions in my life, but there we go. We were running around. Uh, Jesus was there. This was good. I had other dreams, too. Jesus was not there, but there is Jesus <laughs> in this dream. But well, what a dream. We've all had dreams. Uh, and you wake up, and sometimes they're very, very real feeling. You know, sometimes if you've had a bad dream uh, or a nightmare, and you need to kind of, if you're married, you roll over to your spouse, and you're like, I've had a bad dream and it's not good, you know, pray for me, whatever, that happens. But in the waking up, often there's a realization it's just a dream. You know, you get up and you kind of, you walk out of the dream, whether it was good or bad, and you start to forget, actually. I think what's interesting here is there's something in the good heart and character of Joseph that knew that this dream was not to be quickly dismissed, right? He could have thought, that was quite a dream. But it doesn't really matter. In fact, I almost wonder if the amazing thing in this passage is not so much the dream, but the fact that Joseph allows the dream to influence his decisions in his life. When, for most of us, if we have a dream. You know, it's a dream. likely kind of dismiss it, perhaps. But Joseph discerns the voice of God in that dream. And he allows the dream to change his mind about putting Mary away quietly. Right? So instead of ending the relationship, he throws himself headlong into God's plans. And I wonder for us, if we are willing to listen to the voice of God, because to do so is actually a dangerous thing. If you are really willing To listen to the voice of God, you may discover that God calls you into question that which you have resolved in your heart to do. Joseph has resolved in his heart to put Mary away quietly, but when he uh, hears the voice of God, suddenly his plans get upended. Right? Um Upturned. That's an uncomfortable place to be if you've ever made plans and suddenly your plans get handwashed. It's not always fun. This is the case here for Joseph. He would resolved one thing, to do or to say or to be, and yet, as he opens himself up to hear God speak, he realizes he needs to change his plans. And I wonder for us if we are really willing to listen to God's voice in our lives, if we too are willing to have him perhaps lay low our best laid plans. It's one thing To open ourselves to God and to hear him speak, but it's another thing to then choose to walk out that which God calls you to do. Right? Joseph is told one thing, he's he has the vision, has the dream, but then he chooses to let the dream influence his life. He chooses to let what God speaks to him actually impact his day-to-day life. Do you see how that works? So there's kind of a two-step thing here. He listens to God. God shows up and is speaking, so he just responds. He <coughs> listens to God, but then he chooses to act. And the same is true for us, also, folks. So I want to ask us this morning: What what decisions are you weighing in your own heart? What things, perhaps, have you resolved to do? What questions are you facing, and perhaps like Joseph? Perhaps like these families this past week. Are you experiencing a certain level of heartache? Maybe even grief? Or in Joseph's case, he's probably feeling a deep sense of betrayal. The question for us is, are we of good character? Meaning, are we walking with God in such a way that we let God's character shape our responses to life? Are we open to God's direction, even when he might take us in a direction that we were not anticipating to go. So there's two kind of key words here for us. The, the first is to awake. The second is to trust. Joseph is awakened to a deeper faith in God. He's awakened to a deeper trust in God than he'd ever had before. And he's awakened to to a need to act differently because of his encounter with God. Joseph, having encountered God, chooses to do something very different from what he had originally set out to do. Encountering God changes Joseph. And God awakens Joseph to a deeper obedience to him. I would argue that whenever uh, the Lord speaks to us, as he does, it is always this to call us into deeper and deeper obedience as we follow him. As Joseph submits to God, he becomes changed. He becomes changed. His heart turns back to Mary, and now he has a newfound fatherly calling. He actually has a part to play in this. He gets to name the baby, right? Because Joseph is already walking in righteousness, already following God, it's like this, it's like his heart is tilled as he's, as he's been following God. It's like his, the soil of his heart is tilled, ready to receive from God. So that when this dream comes, when this word comes, it can take root. His heart is already ready and open to hear from God. So I wonder today for us, are our hearts actually open to hear from God and receive from him? when he speaks to us. I have no doubt that he speaks to us. That's not so much the thing. The thing is our, our ability and willingness and openness to hear what he would have to say to us. It's not difficult to listen to God, though I have some practical advice later on that we'll get to. The difficult thing is then living that out. The difficult thing is letting what God say actually impact my life so much that I'm willing to let what I had resolved to do be led aside so I can now do what God calls me to do. That's a hard thing. There's a humility there. That's what Joseph was able to do. So are we folks listening at this time of year? Are we listening, able to listen, to that still small voice of the Spirit, which would then call us into deeper faithfulness and deeper obedience, as, as God loves us and leads us and guides us more and more into himself? It's a good question for us. God awakens Joseph to new possibilities. He awakens Joseph to the promise that he, a very ordinary person, not just Joseph, he's just a carpenter, he's just like a regular trades person, you know, he's just doing his life. But he has now been caught up in the salvation plans of God for the world. He's been caught up in what God wants to do. And he finds new calling and new life in that. Folks, you've all been invited to participate and be caught up in God's salvation and redemption plans for this world. You all have a part to play. You all have a part to play. To be caught up in what he wants to do here in driving, in your family, in your workplace. There's things God would call you into. The question is, are you, are you willing to listen and then actually act in obedience to what God's been been speaking. That's what Joseph models for us here. And Joseph awakens to a newfound trust in God in a moment where he needs God most. Joseph is in a a difficult place here, right? He's in a needy place. I think for us here, Joseph... Teaches us that we can keep faith and we can trust God even when we actually don't understand what's going on. I mean, Joseph is given a little bit of insight, right? About well no, the child is of the Holy Spirit, you know, and this is what God's doing. But he doesn't get all the details, you know, he doesn't get the fact, well, you know, this is what's all gonna go down. You're gonna go. He's going to have the baby in Bethlehem, and you're not, you know, it's going to be kind of a show. you're not going to find any room, you know, it's going to be really hard, and, oh, and then uh, Herod's going to try and kill the baby, so you're going to be a refugee family off to Egypt for two years, you know, he kind of leaves that detail out, uh, you know, and then you're going to go back, and you're, you know, he doesn't give him all the details, he doesn't tell them it's actually going to be really difficult, Joseph, uh, but I'm here and I have work, that's okay. Right? Joseph realizes he can keep faith and he can trust God even when he doesn't understand everything that's going on. doesn't have all the details. I can remember in my own life when uh, thinking a lot, this is the classic kind of grade 11, grade 12 kind of thing. Oh my gosh, what am I supposed to do after school's over? Uh, you know, and everyone's talking about that. What college do you work? Do you do another year of school? All that sort of stuff. You know all sorts of decisions to make, and I remember slowly over time. I didn't have a dramatic dream, you know, uh, but as I listened to God and, and tried to hear what He was saying to me, I had this deepening peace that I was to go to Bible school, and it just happened in that way. It was gradual, ordinary. There was no writing on the wall, you know, <laughs> Bible school. <laughs> No, it wasn't like that. It was, you know, it was conversations with people. It was what was resonating in my own heart. I don't think all of us need to anticipate the dramatic dream to hear from God. But let me assure you, God does speak and has a, has a plan and direction for your life. The, the, the question for us is an openness and a humility to hear from him and then put that into action as we follow him. Joseph is also awakened to the fact that his dream of a baby who is God with us is actually the most real thing in the world. So Joseph awakens to God's plan. that sends him in a new direction for his life. And in the same way, folks, I would ask us today to be willing uh, to listen to how God would direct each and every one of your lives. And he is directing your life. I wouldn't say, you know, he hasn't been directing so far, and now the directing starts today. No, you know. But uh, to perhaps refresh ourselves in such a way that we can hear when he does speak. Because he wants you to lean on to him for decisions about the future. And he wants you to lean on to him about where you might go to school or, you know, where, what you might do for work or who you might get married to or if you're older in life, you know what, what what's important in following God for this season of your life right now? He, he has that for you and He wants you to lean into Him and ask those questions and He'll tell you. He'll tell you what's going on. How do we do that? What are some practical ways for us to hear from God, short of the fact that short of the dream? Uh, you could you can wait around for a dream, that's good. Um, but there's other things you could do. Uh, to be listening to God. Anybody who speak to you in a dream, that's perfectly fine. Brilliant. Great. Uh, but but what, what can you do sort of day-to-day to prep your own heart for hearing God? Three things. Very quickly. I want to encourage you this week to spend time each day. I'm going to challenge you to a half hour each day, either before the kids get up, before work starts or maybe over your lunch or maybe at the end of the day when everything's kind of said and done, But take a half hour, as you can, whatever, doesn't matter when, and make a list of any upcoming decisions you have to make. Anything that you're kind of weighing on your heart or any person that you have on your heart, any kind of relationship that maybe you're praying about or thinking about, prayer requests, family members, and take that half hour with your list and bring all that to the Father. Just bring it all to God. And we have the assurance in one John. We have the confidence that in approaching God, if we ask for anything that's in line with what he uh, what He would have for us, his character, he hears us. So come to the Father and say, Lord, here's the stuff on my mind this week. Here's This is what I'm dealing with. You know, the same way, I, I'm, I trust Joseph as a just man said... They would have said the Lord. What do you said, Lord? Yahweh, Elohim? What do you say? I don't know. God. I don't know what to do in this situation. He weighed it. I'm sure he prayed about it, and then he went to bed and waited for God to to answer. Right. So in the same way, get your write it out. You'll, your thoughts will solidify better if you can write it out. Write out. Maybe it's just one question. Maybe it's just one thing. Uh, but maybe you've got a list of things, or people, or situations. Just write that up, and bring it to the Father. Then I would invite you, perhaps in your half hour, but also throughout the day, is to simply lean on the direction of the Holy Spirit. And to do that, you must have uh, an ability to settle or calm the distractions in your own heart and your own mind. This is very hard to do in our kind of microwave, instant gratification, cell phone culture. Um, how many of you have checked your phones? You know, since we got to church. Uh, that's fine. I'm not condemning you. It's okay. You're forgiven. But, uh, but it's easy to get distracted. Easier than ever to get distracted. And really hard for us to have a silence in our lives. We don't know what to do with it. We just get antsy. You know? But there is a truth to the spiritual discipline of solitude and silence. <clears throat> and so I invite you in your half hour, wherever you take it, Turn off your phone, turn off the TV, you know, as best you can, maybe, maybe you've got young kids, I mean, we've got young kids, so it, this is difficult for us this season of life, but as best you can, you know, live to the distractions, and rest and wait on God. Now, the Holy Spirit will confirm the revealed truth of God in Scripture. He's not going to ask you to do something that's not doesn't line up with Scripture. So if something comes to you that's really wonky, that doesn't line up with the Word of God, you just dismiss it. But well, it's either you know that was the pizza from last night. Okay. But if it lines up with the truth of Scripture, weigh well, that, go, go with that, and maybe find people of authority in your old life, uh, pastoral figures, or you know, father and mother figures, spiritual father and mothers in your old life. Say eh, this is what God's leading into. That's kind of what He said. Does that make sense? Does that sound totally loony? Uh, they will say yes or no. You know, that's good. Or they will say, Yeah, that I don't know where you got that. It's okay. Go back. You know, go back. But learn to listen to the voice of the spirit. Again, silence and solitude is really, really difficult. But I tell you what, um, Joseph's sleeping here. He's not doing a lot. He's sleeping. This is where God meets him. In the sleeping. I'm not saying you need to just wait until you're sleeping for God to speak to you. But there is something to the the, uh, the principle in the spiritual discipline of silence and solitude of saying, "I'm going now. I'm going to stop doing things. I'm going to rest here. I'm going to do nothing and let God speak, because maybe I'm the one busily, you know, creating distractions for myself." There's something to that, where we stop doing, stop producing, stop pleasing people, stop entertaining ourselves, stop obsessing, and simply sit and rest in the presence of God. This is hard to do, actually, for a lot of it's hard to do. But I encourage you to do that, to wait. Those are my three things, word, prayer, and uh, solitude. So take time this week, and I want to encourage you, bring, bring the questions that you have on your heart to God, or maybe the people that you have on your heart to God. And may we, like Joseph, awaken to what God is doing in our lives. May we awaken to the presence of God who's with us, even now, and all through our days. And may we awaken, like Joseph, to hear the voice of Jesus, and actually be uh, willing to allow him to upend some of the things in our lives. And that can be uncomfortable. That's hard for me to admit. Also, maybe upend some of the things in our lives that we have resolved to do uh, that maybe aren't the things we need to do. So, folks, when you're faced with difficult decisions, just as Joseph is here, I pray that you would awaken to a newfound trust in the God who saves you and loves you. And may we also, at this time of year especially, awaken with Joseph to celebrate the greatest gift, that Jesus came to save you from your sins. If you want to learn to hear from God, you need to repent and confess your sins, and get right before him. Say, Lord, I want you in my life. I want you to be my Savior. I want to live for you. And he will honor that in you. But may we awaken to the truth of Jesus' coming, the truth that God is indeed with us, that he loves you, that you have a part to play in what he wants to do in the world. And friends, he will lead and guide you, just as he led and guided Joseph in this passage here. Can I pray for you? Father... uh, There's so much going on in our lives, in a lot of our lives, Lord, there's uh, decisions to make, and there's people that we love, and and relationships that we want to bring to you, and all sorts of things going on, Lord, and for some of us, serious things. Joseph's case here, this was a serious decision he had to make. Uh, So Father, even today, in this moment, we turn to you, and Lord, I pray that you would speak to each and every one, Lord, that you would... Uh, guide and lead and direct. And Lord, would you help us to listen? Help us to silence perhaps the, the busyness, the distractions in our own hearts so that we can hear your word and not just hear your word, but act on it. Respond in obedience the way Joseph does here. Lord, as we head to your table, the place of your hospitality and welcome. May we be encouraged uh, and reminded that you are with us every step of this life's journey. Lord, that you uh, sustain us and carry us each and every day. Lord, that you love us and that we can come to you and you're faithful. Lord, Lord, as we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you for that, Lord. So this week, Father, would you prepare our hearts to hear from you? And in this moment, as we head to the table, Lord, we need to be encouraged again that you love us and that you care for us and you want to speak. So would you do that even now in our hearts? In Jesus' name, amen.